Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. Now, you may recall in Season 1 that I did a few different episodes on the music industry around Battle Creek. I also had biographer Brian Young and musician James Popenhagen on two different shows as a guest talking about the legacy of Del Shannon, who started his career in Battle Creek. Today, I have the pleasure to welcome onto the show as a guest, the screenwriter for the only estate authorized script about the story of the life of Del Shannon. And his name is Gary G. And we're going to talk more about the life of Del Shannon and also this very special project that he's been working on for quite some time about the music legend. So welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. Thank you, Michael, for inviting me on. And uh, I'll, I'll just make one tiny uh, addition, if I may, to sure. your introduction, Absolutely. which was beautifully succinct. Um, <laughs> Uh, I know you know me from our contact on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, I use that name on Facebook. My real full name is Gurner, G-U-R-N-E-R, like Turner, but with a G. Okay, great. I will make a note of that, sir. So how is that out in L.A. today? Uh, today it's beautiful. We're going to have uh, sort of stereotypical Southern California weather for the next few days after months seemingly of uh, downpours and flooding and mudslides fortunately not where i live but it's been pretty rampant out here wow well hopefully it will become brighter and sunshinier so exactly so could we start by having you introduce yourself and perhaps describe how you became involved in this amazing project of course. Uh, again, as I said, my name is Gary Gurner. I'm a longtime member of the Writers Guild of America West. And uh, I got my start writing for Norman Lear. I co- wrote with a, f- a former partner for the Rugrats, of all things. Wow. And uh, <laughs> uh, that was an unusual experience, a story for another time. Um, and um, initially, I was speaking with a writer friend who knew a lot more about Dell than I did in that at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I began. So he sparked my interest. I, I of course, grew up listening to a lot of Dell's music, but then I wasn't totally up to date on his most recent material at that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my friend sparked the interest. I started doing the research, and that's what led me to get involved with this. Wow. So the script that you're writing, how will it be used? Will it be a a miniseries or a movie or something else? Yeah, uh, the script is complete. It has been completed for some time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually borrowed the name of Dell's last album, which is Rock On. So it's called Rock On, the Dell Shannon story. Okay. Um, It's strictly, at this point, meant as a feature film, Uh, you know, kind of typical of other rock and roll or music related biopics. Okay. Um, so I don't see it being a miniseries because it doesn't have that kind of, even though it covers a, 
you could more than a 30 year period, mm -hmm. almost a 40 year period, I guess. Okay. Um, it was not written as a mini series. It was written as what's known as a feature film. And that's separate, <clears throat> as I mentioned to you in a, in a separate email from the documentary that's probably coming out sometime this year. Oh, okay. So it kind of it starts with his early life all the way to his early career and yeah, it's, late career. It, it's actually it's actually bracketed by uh, the invitation to join the traveling Wilburys. Oh wow! It okay. opens it opens with the traveling Wilburys kind of rehearsing in Hawaii, uh -huh. which is something they were doing at the time, and they're talking about. Um, uh, Roy Orbison had already passed away by that point in time. So they were trying to decide, do we continue on without Roy or do we invite someone else I see. to be a part of the Traveling Wilburys? Okay. So had you ever met Del Shannon? No, actually, I never did. Uh, a, the same friend who sparked my interest did see... Uh, one of his local shows here in Southern California at the, uh, what was it called? It's either called the Canyon Club or the Country Club. I can't remember right now. Okay. Um, and that, uh, on my Facebook page, I do have, I think, a photograph of that show, okay. a black and white shot. Uh, and it, Tom Petty actually showed up at that performance and performed with Dell. Uh -huh. So that's a show I wish I had seen. Oh yeah. That would have been quite a night. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause they're both gone now too, you know? Yeah. Sadly, very sadly. So had, have you had any special moments in the process of working on this project that you'd like to share? Well, really it was the uh, willingness I would, I would say to, engage in conversations with people who either were his family members, uh, that would be uh, his wife, Shirley, mm -hmm. and his son, Craig, um, uh, along with many of the people who worked with him. I did get to speak with Harry Balk, his former producer and co-manager. Okay. And um, Harry was sort of a typical gruff kind of guy, I think originally from New York. And he, because he told me he was writing his own book about Dell or his own book about himself, really, but mm -hmm. Dell was going to be a big part of that. Um, he wasn't exactly eager to speak with me and, and provide too many details about that. Okay. I, I was, I was forced to use other resources, but he was still kind and, and understanding about what I was doing. Uh, the person who was probably most helpful, at least in giving me the go ahead was Dell's estate attorney, uh, a gentleman by the name of Neville Johnson. You may have heard of Neville Johnson. Yes. Perhaps not. Uh, Neville, originally was understandably wary of talking to me when I called him out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And he warmed up while we were talking and he told me a story that is in that I put into the script um, about a an AA cruise 
Okay. That Dell and Shirley went on after Dell got sober. And it's a it's an amusing story. And so when I subsequently called Neville to let him know I had finished the screenplay, mm-hmm. the first question he asked me was, did you put in that story I told you about the AA cruise? <laughs> and, and, and I said, absolutely. And that's when he said, send me the script. Okay. <laughs> so I sent him the script and he is a big fan of the script. Great. Good. So, yeah, there were, and I don't don't want to leave out people like um, uh, Dell's longtime manager, Dan Burgoyce, Mm -hmm. very powerful music figure in his day. Uh, I don't want to leave out James Popenhagen, Mm -hmm. Brian Young, uh, also, um, let me, uh, Johnny Carver, a country music musician, I should say, who Dell. went to see at the old Palomino Club here in North Hollywood, Mm -hmm. and then was a big fan of Johnny's and approached him about producing his first major label single. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the people who I really genuinely, I I won't say desperately because it sounds too strange, but really wanted to speak with was Gail McCormick. The okay. lead singer of the of the band called Smith. Okay. Uh, and Dell produced their big single, the the remake they did of um, I think it was one of the. Uh, you'll forgive me, I'm blanking on the mm-hmm. title of the song. Uh, the I think it was a former Supremes song. Okay. If I remember right. Okay. And um, Gail had this amazing voice. Um, aside from being a stunning human being to look at, uh, but she was very talented, clearly. I really wanted to talk to her about uh, Dell's involvement in their career. But unfortunately, even though I believe she was still alive at the time, I was doing the research, she was impossible to find. Oh, really? And I think that was uh, her choice. She had given up the entertainment business and was allegedly, I never really got confirmation of this, but allegedly working in retail uh, back in her hometown. Oh, um, okay. And I talked to a disc jockey, a, a, a former major disc jockey, the kind of guy who was probably on a 50,000-watt station back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also since retired, but he was a friend of Gail's. And even after talking to him for an extended conversation, he had to admit he didn't know where Gail was. Wow. So I was never able to speak with Gail. Unfortunately, she passed away, I think, just a couple of years ago. Oh, no. Oh. Well, I, there's other people that he had helped in their career along the way. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Lots of people. Uh, and And... Some of them, I tried to talk to Dion. Um, Dion was uh, also not forthcoming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never, I, I think I might have gotten an email back from his manager. I see. Just in essence saying thanks, but no thanks. I know he helped Bob Seeger a little bit in his early yes, career. Yes, and that's, yeah. that's in the script. Okay, good. That's in the script. Dion is in the script. Um yeah, uh, Willie Nelson is in the script. Okay. If you've ever seen pictures of Willie Nelson from 
the mid-1960s, you would not recognize him. He was so clean-cut and short-haired mm-hmm. that he almost looked like he could have been a lawyer, not a country musician. <laughs> yeah, that is not the familiar uh, face that you're used to seeing of Willie Nelson. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So there's, you know, there's so many people that, and I reread the script this morning in advance of our conversation. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who were tangentially involved in Dell's life uh, oh. professionally okay. that it would probably take up the bulk of the interview if I started rattling them all off. Sure, sure. Let's talk about some of his early life. He grew up in the Coopersville, uh, Grand Rapids, roughly area, Coopersville, Michigan. Coopersville, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was, I think, originally born in Grand Rapids, but he grew up in Coopersville and uh-huh. uh, had a big... Um, early life there, learning to play guitar. Yes. Um, uh, initially, fr- from my research, I believe his first instrument might have been a ukulele. Okay. You know, one of those yeah. cheap little, almost toy-like ukuleles, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and his first guitar was purchased for him for, by his mom uh, mm. from, I think, the old Sears catalog. Dell, uh, at least in the script, uh Dell was carrying around, uh, of course, his, his original name is Charles Westover, right. as you and many others know. Um, so Charlie would carry around this page ripped out of the Sears catalog, which showed a guitar, I think, for $5. That gives you, <laughs> that gives you try and find a $5 guitar now. Oh, impossible, um, impossible. Yeah. So his mom actually bought him that. His dad was not very supportive of his music aspirations. Right. So then he, it's, uh, leaving Coopersville, at one point he goes into the Army for a little while. Is that? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that is true. Uh, I didn't put it in the script only for length reasons. I see. It was just, it was just more important to make the transition okay. from high school to uh, young adulthood. Okay. Now, I'm sure a lot of my Battle Creek fans are going to want to know, did you include some Battle Creek history in there where he played his first version of Runaway at the High-Low Club, for example? Oh, absolutely. The High-Low Club is <laughs> very prominent there, as is uh, a former DJ from, uh, I think, Detroit, Ollie McLaughlin. Okay. Uh, since Ollie kind of, again, in the script, you'll forgive me for not remembering all these details from mm-hmm. the research part of my writing. Sure. Uh, but I believe Ollie was instrumental at the invitation of Max Crook right. to come to the high-low club mm-hmm. and record uh, th- that early band performance. Um, so yeah, Ollie's in there. Uh, Marin McKenzie, who Dell went on to co-write some tracks with is in there. Um, yes, if that answers your question. I I've actually run into people over time around Battle Creek, the more I've been involved with the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, that have stories they remember Dell's performance at the High Low Club. Wow. They were wow. way back then, you know. And now, yeah. now how much of that is um, folklore and reality? Or, <laughs> you know, somebody's trying to... But, you know, there are a lot of uh, people from that era still around, and they do have sure. recall from that. And Yeah, from every – I've seen pictures of the place, mm-hmm. and it was definitely 
uh, not a Hilton. <laughs> no, it was a small place. Was, and today yeah, there's a, a there's a Del Shannon marker on the site right. where um, where the High Low Club once stood. It's now kind of an yeah. intersection in a parking yeah. lot. Yeah, and but, if uh, I remember correctly, the High Low Club was on the ground floor of a very seedy hotel. That's why I use the Hilton analogy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I've never seen any uh, any photos of it other than on the inside. I've seen the couple okay. of inside old... Yeah, the ants. black and white shots. Yeah, yeah, there's one and there's a colorized one floating around the Battle Creek Regional okay. History Museum uh, or the okay. Willard Library website. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was an interesting, cozy little quaint place, but it was enough to rock out and yeah, certainly... And obviously, yeah. He had a major following there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was packed almost all of the time. And to answer more about Battle Creek, there—I mean, it, th- there are a, a few scenes in high school, mm-hmm. um, uh, specifically related to his guitar playing while, while he was in class, which almost got him kicked out of school. Oh wow, and, that's uh, good. <laughs> and also, of course, the this alleged girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, who was going to go to the prom with him, and then at the last moment changed her mind, said, oh, I'm going with someone else. Right. And so he was not thrilled about that. And then, of course, there's another scene that takes place after he's famous, and he comes back to his old high school, and his old high school principal is still the principal, Russ Conran. Mm-hmm. And um, it's supposed to be a big day. He's going to get the key to the city, He's going to give some kind of live performance, I think, in the high school gym. Mm-hmm. But at the again, at the last minute, the high school performance is canceled because teachers believe they voted, apparently, and decided, oh, gee, this might incite the students too much <laughs> if he gives this live performance. So that got scrapped, as did the key to the city ceremony by the then mayor wow. uh, but but uh russ conran apparently had an idea which is which back then was kind of off the record they hired a flatbed truck that night and had dell and whoever played in the band in that moment um play live on the flatbed truck as they drove through town wow that's really cool so is that, that's based on factual events that you found out as, from? Yeah, as much as I can remember in this moment. Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> well, we know that you know, the girl that he, that slighted him for the dance was the inspiration for the song Runaway. Right, and right. So that, and so that is kind of a historic moment in the world of rock and roll. That, <laughs> it would have been. You know, ladies out there, fun. you know, you brought about a hit song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might have been fun to try and track her down, but I figured that might be going one step too far. Yeah. Well, that was that's a fascinating spin on the story. I've not heard that before, and that's really unique, and I think people like hearing about that. So... How do you think the the fans are going to feel um, or or react to enjoying this film or when it comes out or how the project moves along? You know. Yeah, they... um, it's still being sent out to producers, mm-hmm. as you might imagine. Um, I'm talking to a music video director at the moment, who all, I don't want to mention his name in case this doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's also directed a project that was on Showtime some years ago. Um, he seems to be very interested in it. Ideally, I would say 
I mean, because I feel a responsibility to uh, protect and sh and share Dell's legacy mm -hmm. with not only fans but people who've never heard of him. Uh, I've I've had the script read by some people in their twenties okay. who never heard of Dell Shannon, maybe heard Runaway somewhere along the line, mm -hmm. and they both were wrote very enthusiastic critiques, or as we call it out here, coverages okay. of the script. And like I said, they knew nothing about Dell, but they were really drawn in, at, which is, of course is a, I'll, I'll be a little immodest here and just say they were drawn in by the way I wrote the script. That's so, great. That's great. So I think that fans will respond favorably. Um, it does show Dell warts and all, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't back away from some of the things he had going on in his life. Um, uh, James Popenhagen, both James Popenhagen and Brian have read the script in addition to Neville. Um, what was their and, feedback uh, on it? Oh, uh, James actually, I, I, I had sent it to him at one point mm -hmm. and then I didn't hear from him for a while and I dropped him an occasional message without uh, trying to be a stalker. <laughs> and, um, He's a busy guy. He is a real busy he is, guy. He is, he is a very busy guy, as is Brian. Yep. And they were both extremely complimentary oh, good. in their uh, in their reactions. Uh, James told me when we did finally talk about it that he had read it three times. Wow! And that it he he really enjoyed it. He also said it made him cry. Ah, and you know you have a good script. Yeah, I, I hope James doesn't mind me sharing that mm -hmm. story. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. You know, because. When a, when a script is really well done on the life of a music artist, the fans have this resurgence when a movie comes out. Like, for example, the Johnny Cash story when it came out. Not, he was kind of, you know, almost had fading into obscurity at that point, but the Johnny Cash movie came out and everything Johnny Cash was cool for, right. for this whole wave of time following that. And even Johnny got some additional... Uh, songs and opportunities in the studio after towards oh, yeah. the end of his life yep. you know because of that you know and the his story coming out and i think it's um it's important to make sure that these stories are lost and it's certainly overdue for del shannon i mean he was yeah that's that's the way i felt when i first got into the project that gee why hasn't anyone written about del shannon and i'm grateful mm -hmm. again to neville oh what i started to say earlier was when I did speak with Neville and he finally saw that I was a serious person and mm -hmm. uh, especially after he read the script but he had told me beforehand he said I can't give you I can't just give you Dell's life rights which is an important component of any script mm -hmm. that you're going to write about a real person living or not um, but he did say I can tell you you're free to pursue the project. Okay. So I figured, okay, I don't have the life rights because they're so tied up in the music rights. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that Neville gave me the verbal go-ahead, uh, that was encouraging. And then he was rewarded by 
or well, I guess we were both rewarded on different sides of the equation when he read the script and loved it. And that made me feel good that he had trusted me to write the script, which he was happy about. Wow, that's great. That's always good to have that, you know, harmony in both sides of the people working on his legacy, you know, that they actually yep. respect your work enough and, and, and what I you've al- done. And- I, I also think that even though you could say that CDs aren't, quote, popular anymore, mm-hmm. uh, although I'm not sure I'd buy that because I've got a collection of over 400 of them mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, and growing. But I, this film, in my mind, would have a killer soundtrack, of course, mm-hmm. uh, because you'd want to include stuff both stuff that people are familiar with and not so familiar with, uh, especially his uh, last two albums, uh, Drop Down and Get Me mm-hmm. and Rock On. Uh, and of course, that gigantic box set just became available, which I believe is, uh, is it 12 CDs? Yeah, something like uh, that. Spent... Yeah, I haven't seen the buzz about it on the Del Shannon fan pages. Yep. It's, uh... Yeah, so, um, you know, that's, I hope that helps all of these projects. I hope it helps Brian's book, uh, which I look forward to reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope it helps the documentary, which I look forward to seeing. And not so, I'm not without an ego. I hope it helps my projects. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I hope it does. I, I mean, I I think a, a film, a full feature film on Del Shannon would be outstanding. Um, yeah, yeah. So he, you know, in your going back to the script, he comes. You know, you take the story through Battle Creek. Obviously, he goes from Battle Creek to gets recorded Runaway in New yep. York, and it becomes an overnight sensation. Yes. What highlights from that part of the career? I know that he, I'm talking to James, and he said that, you know, he opened, or the Beatles opened for him when he went to London, and there was just... Yeah, that's an interesting story. You know, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So here's what happened regarding that story, and then I'll then remind me, and I'll come back to sure, the other sure, sure. part of what you were saying. Um, so, uh, Dell played at the Royal Albert Hall, one of the most famous concert venues in the world, probably a beautiful, almost circular kind of building. If you've ever seen pictures of the outside or the inside, mm-hmm. many rock artists have played there over the decades. Yeah. It's a legendary it was, place. Yep. And, and so the Beatles and I, I have, I, there is a scene that takes place both outside and inside royal albert hall mm-hmm. not the concert itself uh the scene outside is shows the poster for that event mm-hmm. um which is in the script and then uh so the beatles are on the bill uh i think dusty springfields uh the springfields were on that uh, okay. uh list of performers and some other johnny tillotson i think and some others okay and anyway so uh Dell, the scene in the script is, I don't want to give everything away, of course, that's in Mm -hmm. the script, but I'm telling you. uh, So Dell is standing in the wings watching the Beatles rehearse, and they're Mm -hmm. playing From Me to You. Now, again, they weren't that big in the United States at that point. Right. Um, They were big in the UK and parts of Europe. So anyway, Dell's watching them. They finished doing From Me to You. And as John and the and the other guys are coming off stage, Dell kind of snags John and says, hey, would you mind if I covered that track? 
Yeah. And John at first says, hey, be my guest. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And, um, and John starts to walk away with the other guys. And then John comes back and he says, you know, Brian, their manager, probably won't be too thrilled if you go release it before uh-huh. we release it. Uh-huh. But sure, if you really want to cover it, go ahead. And uh, that's what happened. And then just as Dell's version was climbing the charts, mostly in the Midwest, right. the Beatles version came out. Okay. So that kind of put the kibosh on Dell's version. Uh, and I've forgotten the other part of your the beginning of your question. Well, I just it was the question about you know the some of his that early part of the career when oh right you know because right. he he did some touring and it was like he yeah. was completely blown away with the yeah uh, yeah there's no there's ton there, there, there's a fair amount of that again it's not a collection of music video performances. I want to mm-hmm. make that clear. Right. This is a this is a character study. It's, right. a, it's a rock and roll biopic. Uh, many almost all of the people in his life are named by their real names, with the exception of two who I won't mention mm-hmm. for okay. for certain reasons. Okay. Um, and um, so yeah, there's there's the Brooklyn Paramount performance mm-hmm. where in essence he was still working at the carpet store and he I, if i remember correctly and he gets this call oh no it's at the high low club i'm sorry okay it's a, it's an evening call at the high low club from uh harry i believe and you know and they're just about they're in the almost about to go on at the high low club and gets this call harry's on the phone and says uh forget the high low club i need you in new york tomorrow Wow. And Del says, but we're, we're about to go on. He says, in essence, forget that. I'll be polite. I won't use his language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and so Dell's Dell's first big gig is at the Brooklyn Paramount headlining. Uh, well, I don't know if he was the headliner, but four shows a day with Dion and uh, Rosie and the Originals wow. and some other artists. And this is one of the shows that Murray the K promoted. Wow. Uh, Murray, it, it, I'm sure you're familiar with Murray. He was a highly prominent New York disc jockey on WINS okay. um, at the time. And when the Beatles became popular, Murray, because he had some interviews with them on the radio, Murray became calling himself the fifth Beatle, which the <laughs> Beatles privately laughed about hysterically. Um, <laughs> So anyway, so this was a Murray the K show. I actually went to not that show because it would have been when I was barely out of elementary school, probably. But Mm -hmm. I went to a Murray the K show later in the 60s that featured the Who and Cream on their first tours in the country. Wow. Wow. So, yes, tons. He was so connected, you know, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of early. Uh, performance-related stuff, mm-hmm. not always performances, but you know that he's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, when Runaway hit, and it hit fast, 80,000 copies a day it was selling. That's eight zero comma zero zero zero. Wow. Uh, that's probably unprecedented for that era. Wow. 
Yeah, it changed his life overnight for sure. I yep. mean, he. Uh, yep. Yep. So that's quite. That's that's amazing. This this is really exciting that the screenplay has been written and that it's just really going to take somebody uh, wanting to produce it and 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 create it and bring it to yeah, life. There, you know? there, I, I got an initial budget estimate, which was just an approximation mm-hmm. of you know in order to do it full justice. I mean, there are ways to make it less expensive, mm-hmm. but. I would say that budget range was in, and this is going to sound, it is an astronomical amount of money to anybody, mm-hmm. unless you're a billionaire, uh, $10 to $15 million. Wow. It could probably be done for less. Obviously, there aren't a lot of special effects. It's about recreating those different decades, You know, whether you're talking about cars, clothing, makeup, hair, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. So... Well, it's probably typical for Hollywood production anyway, as they are used to spending those numbers on different projects. So hopefully someone will step up and say, let's make this a reality, you know? Yep. 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 So, well, you know, at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, we just um, put Dell's picture on the wall in our History Education Center as one of our projects we've had there. And um, we have been working with the Dell Shannon family and James Popenhagen, on a Dell Shannon weekend that's going to happen in June here in Michigan, in Battle yes. Creek. Um, and a Friday night, June 23rd, we're having James Popenhagen come, and he's going to be doing a tribute concert with Brian Highland. And right. that's going to be uh, at the Penfield Auditorium on okay. the 23rd. And I will put the links to this in the description, folks that are listening out there, if you want to get tickets. It is going to be an amazing concert, and there's plenty of tickets still available. And then Saturday for Dale Shannon Weekend is a car show at the Lila Arboretum, and that's going to be from 11 to 4. And I'll put all the links in case you have a classic car you'd like to register and join us for the show. I'll put the link for that as well. But that's a, a great show for the public to come out in the summertime. And then we're having a historic legacy event at the museum on Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. with... Brian Young, who's going to be speaking about his biography on the history of Del Shannon, and he's going to be signing the biography at that time. And so you'll get an opportunity to get a, a signed copy of the new biography, and I believe it'll be the only, the first place it'll be released um, because he's getting right towards the end of publishing it right now. So it should be ready by June. And those tickets are available at the museum right now, and there's limited seating. So I'll put the link to uh, where you can reach out to the museum and get tickets on that. But that's it's going to be a fun uh, way to keep promoting um, the legacy of Del Shannon in the community. Now, your project with creating the screenplay for this movie, did you work with any other artist in the music industry along the way? On you, you mean you mean who might have worked with Dell? Might have either worked with Dell or uh, been inspired in their careers by Dell. Um, I did try to speak to some actually major rock stars who were in the documentary. Mm-hmm. I should add, right? Okay, because the uh, the filmmaker for the documentary had some very heavy duty rock and roll connections, mm-hmm. so he was able, I think, to get interviews with Paul McCartney and Jeff Lynn, wow. et cetera, et cetera. And I did make attempts. I knew that trying to get to Paul McCartney might be 
uh, more difficult than climbing Mount Everest. But um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I did make the attempt and, you know, basically was told uh, he doesn't have the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff Lynn, his uh, representative was at least kind enough to um, say, again, this is a few years ago. I think Jeff was remastering all the ELO material. Oh, okay. And so he was tied up with that, but he did wish me good luck with the project. Uh, like I said earlier, Dion, uh, I made an attempt to mm-hmm. contact uh, Leon Russell before he passed away. I made an attempt to contact okay. um, Leon's then representative was, uh, I'll be polite and just say a bit more standoffish. Um, something to the effect that Leon wouldn't be interested because Leon, as you might know, was Dell's producer uh, at one of his later record labels. I believe it was Liberty. Okay. Uh, that's back also when Leon looked more like an attorney mm-hmm. than the Leon Russell we know <laughs> with the long <laughs> with the long gray hair and the gigantic mustache. Wow. Um, wow. So, yeah, there were. I did speak with that country artist, Johnny Carver, who mm-hmm. was extremely generous with his time. He told me some great stories. Um, and mostly it was family and uh, uh, managers, his friend, Steve Monahan. Um, yeah, just everybody was pretty much on board and, and wanting to see the story get told. Mm-hmm. So that that made me feel good and um, hopefully it made them feel good. Well, the family is definitely a wonderful group of people. I mean, Shirley Westover is just a delight and she's actually going to be joining us this summer if she can make it. Um, And then same here, uh, I'm going to try and make it good. And then I think uh, Craig is a wonderful guy too. He's got some great anecdotes about his dad and um, it's always fun to just chat with them when you get the opportunity. Um, you know, so they're, it's good that they're really um, into the spirit of preserving his legacy, you know, and that's, uh, and James, of course, James Popenhagen, um, you know, pours his heart out to try to help keep the legacy alive because he was a good friend of Dell growing up. You right, know? So, right, right. Yeah, no, it's great that James has that. Not only does he have the family connection from mm-hmm. his own grandfather who played in one of Dell's, I think, earliest musical enterprises yeah, yeah. but just the fact that he has continued to keep keep the legacy alive mm-hmm. which is w- what i hope to join him in that effort yeah well that sounds like you're doing a marvelous job and i i really look forward to this script now i just i want to see the movie i can't wait to <laughs> wait to go you're, buy you're, some popcorn and go see it on opening day or when it comes and yeah. hits the big screen you know you're not you're not the only one who wants to see it i want to see it okay yeah, uh, yeah. And, and not just for selfish reasons um i you know i would um hopefully it gets off the ground and i can um make a donation to dell's foundation etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and yep. um because that's something that's important that I do in my personal life is mm-hmm. support worthy causes that matter to me. And um, so, yeah, I just, I have nothing but high hopes for the project and we, you, and all your listeners, I hope will keep their fingers crossed. Is there anything listeners could do because they're right in support of, Hey, get, get this published, get Gary's script 
uh, into production. Produced. Yeah, yeah get exactly. It. Well, you know, that that's a great thought. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate you bringing that up, certainly. And again, it feeds into my ego. But um, uh, I would say that there really, I, I don't think there's much fans can do in terms of getting it produced, quote unquote, mm-hmm. unless I'll, I'll throw out two kind of wild options. Okay. Yep. One is that if there is someone listening to this mm-hmm. who has the power, and I'm not saying I don't expect any one person to put up a film budget, although things, mm-hmm. you know, bigger surprises have happened. Um, part of it is getting some seed money uh, when you're making an independent film right. to approach an actor um, I, I do have a couple of actors in mind. There's no point in mentioning their names mm-hmm. only because again, people might say, what him? Mm-hmm. Oh no, not him. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. Because you're never, you're never going to find someone who necessarily resembled Dell mm-hmm. or Charlie at the time. And, um, uh, so, but when you have some seed money, you can approach an actor's agent and say, you know, we, you know, we've started, we've got X amount, we're willing to give some to this actor Mm -hmm. to get his attachment to the project. That's what it's called. Uh, Another uh, aspect might, so if someone was listening who had those kinds of funds, Mm -hmm. that would be great. Step up to the plate and uh, um, Michael knows how to contact me. Uh, (laughs) So um, uh, the other thing is, and this is something that's done with more modestly budgeted projects, but sometimes there's what's called, you know, crowdfunding mm-hmm. or, you know, like you set up a GoFundMe page, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not being naive yeah. trying to raise even a few million dollars on GoFundMe unless it's for some, you know, uh, unfortunate calamity that's taken place where people start pouring money yeah. into yeah. one of those funds. That's basically it. And again, if someone listening to this knows a legitimate Mm -hmm. film producer or director um let me know yeah well i think other things that fans could do is just keep dell's legacy alive and in demand you know i think that also inspires people in hollywood to want to invest in a project to see that it's a popular on the rise subject you know so they could certainly listen to his music download his music off of iTunes or go buy the new box CD set and then yep. certainly come out to the Dale Shannon weekend and show your support for the music legend. And, um, you know, let's have a big crowd out there. We can get the word out about that too and keep yeah. the, keep his legacy alive. And maybe we'll spark the inspiration into somebody who can make this happen and, and get uh, Gary's script to come into life. That would be fabulous. Yep. And we could, we could, you know, uh, I did, and again, another thought I had was in kind of in, in connection with making a donation to the foundation was also having maybe it's, again, I'm thinking way down the road, but I don't mind saying this, mm-hmm. it having its quote world premiere in, in, in the Battle Creek area. Yeah, that'd be fabulous. Uh, as, as, a, as a fundraiser mm-hmm. uh, for any number of causes that might be important. Mm-hmm. Well, at the uh, museum, yeah. the long-term plan at the museum is to have a Del Shannon music legacy room built into the museum right. where they're 
we're, we're going to have all of his uh, memorabilia, <clears throat> and we've worked that out with right. the Hale Shannon family. We just have to get the funding, so that might be something that would sure. tie into the great project for the museum. We could do a big, uh, the Kellogg Arena, do a big screening there or something, or yeah, or one absolutely. of the local There's movie theaters or something like that, and just... Uh, have a big night of it, you know? Yeah. So. Out here, we have the benefit, of course, of many venues where similar mm-hmm. kinds of things have happened. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see it or hear about it. There was a touring exhibit which made its way around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, Bill Graham's uh, organization, you know, Bill Graham, the concert, legendary concert promoter, mm-hmm. and Fillmore East and Fillmore West, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there, there's a Bill Graham touring exhibit, which I got to see out here several years ago. Wow. Amazing stuff. Uh, one of Janis Joplin's dresses, one of Carlos Santana's uh, Gibson, I think it's the E3, uh-huh. if I remember my guitar terminology mm-hmm. correctly. Um, so something like that, hopefully grows out of this where people can be reminded because certainly musicians know Dell's legacy, but I want to add that. I want to add to that. Absolutely. Yep. Well, it's been fabulous talking to you today, Gary. It's, um, it's really an exciting project. I just, I can't say enough about it. So I'm really happy that you took time to come on today and hopefully this will help, uh, Fans get even more excited about stuff happening around here this summer, but also helping to do what they can to keep Dell's legacy alive and uh, certainly, you know, show an outpouring support to make sure that his legacy continues. And maybe if we can get that film up there, that's just going to inspire a whole new generation of Dell Shannon fans. And uh, Absolutely. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your podcast with me sure Uh, it's a big big honor for me to be able to talk about the project now even though we you know it's still not in production yet but Mm -hmm. hopefully this might give it a little kick in the behind do what i can we'll share this all over the place okay well thank you sir thank you i've been speaking with gary gerner also known as gary g out in hollywood about the upcoming Potential movie he's written the screenplay for on the life of Del Shannon. And we are looking forward to that so much to have come out. So certainly help support any way that you can, as mentioned in today's show. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. There's a contact form on there. And if any big producers out there listening to this show today want to help with the project, send me an email and I'll connect you up with Gary. And you guys can make this a reality. And then if you'd like to find out more about the Del Shannon events, I'm going to put the links to all of that in the show note descriptions. Get your tickets, come out and support the concert and be at the concert, enjoy some good music. But you're also supporting the Battle Creek History Museum where we're dedicated to trying to keep the Del Shannon legacy alive. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.